Hello, and welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and today we welcome back to the show Becky Curtis, the founder and CEO of Take Courage Coaching, a company that teaches people the skills they need to manage or eliminate chronic pain. Welcome. Thank you, Tom. I'm excited to have Becky back. You know, I've worked with her off and on for years. I honestly have forgotten your story. I'm embarrassed about that. My brain gets filled up with a lot of activities. But she had quite a story that we shared in the first podcast that we'll review really quickly. But I really want to spend time in this session about um, what she has going and what she has to offer people in sort of her general approach to, a, to chronic pain. So Becky, welcome back. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time. I'm just curious, give us just like a two-minute synopsis of what happened to you in this accident in 2005. Okay. Um, well, thank you for having me um, back. I, I really enjoyed our last conversation. I'm looking forward to this one. Um, in 2005, I was in a rollover car accident where I broke my neck. I'm a C4 incomplete quadriplegic, and that incomplete word is a wonderful one. I have um, fairly good function. I spent about a year in a wheelchair, but I, um, I walk and I hike, and I have a really good functional life. But two years after my accident, I developed a syrinx, a fluid-filled cyst, in the middle of my spinal cord. And then I developed burning nerve pain from the neck down. We tried all kinds of different medications. I wanted a pill, a surgery, a procedure, something to take away this pain. But what I discovered instead is that I have everything that I need to manage this pain. Um, to be an active manager of my own experience of pain instead of a passive patient. And so that is where we left off last week, I believe. <laughs> right. Well, that's it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, you know, I wrote the book called Back in Control, and I honestly didn't think much about it when I named the book. But we think that anxiety or mental pain is a major problem. One of the antidotes to anxiety is control, taking control. And when you take control of a definition, you cannot be a victim. You have every right to be a victim and remain a victim. I mean, I know you say you have good function, but it wasn't what you were before the accident. I mean, your right, your right side's numb. You have to use a cane. Your left side doesn't work that well. And so from your perspective, not necessarily reviewing this as a disability even, where a lot of people would just sort of, you know, obsess about the fact that they're disabled and you just keep moving forward. Yeah, I just haven't found it helpful to focus on that. Um, I have learned that what you focus on, you empower and enlarge. And for me, I want to, you know, I, at the time, I still had young kids at home. And I just decided that I, I wanted to just live life. And I almost didn't get to. <laughs> so right. these are bonus years. And they're, they've been fantastic years, almost 15 years now. I'm going to ask you an odd question. but. I went through a horrible experience and I'm not that happy about it. I realized that some great things came out of it, but honestly, I would not, still would not choose to do it again if I had a choice. So I'm just curious, how is your life different now after going through this kind of adversity? And because I know a lot of ways life tends to be richer afterwards. I mean, what ways have you found your life actually expanded because of this accident? Well, um, like I said, the last podcast, um, when this happened, I was in the process of trying to decide 
what I was going to do for a career because I got married young, had kids young, and my last child had just gone to school and this was my time to decide what I wanted to do. And I really, re I really remember laying in the hospital thinking, oh great, you know, now I'm useless. I'm, I'm paralyzed from the neck down. There's no, there's no purpose and meaning for me anymore. And no one asked me for three years Nobody mentioned, what do you want to do with your life? And when I was asked that question at the Functional Restoration Program by Dr. Abeso, it took me so off guard because I did not expect to have purpose and meaning in my life anymore. I expected that I was disabled and this is just how it was going to be. And I got to dreaming about what I wanted to do. And I told him, I said, if I ever get my own pain under control, I want to spend the rest of my life helping people with chronic pain. And that was the beginning. And I have had the most rewarding life. Yes, it's frustrating sometimes. I don't have use of my, my left arm. That, um, that guy that I told you about in the last podcast, my husband, he learned how to curl my hair. <laughs> He's not really a hair curling kind of guy. He's a and, keeper, isn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's a keeper. Um, but so Tom, you know, Tom so you don't do not let Babs listen to this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not going to look good. But um, I get to every day see people's lives turned around. And, um, and working with the coaches, we just have the most fantastic group of coaches that patiently work with people that have been in pain for years and years and years. And I... <laughs> never imagined that kind of life before. Can you tell us um, how, I'm assuming you started coaching first and it's now grown to 22 coaches. And you told right. us it was a vocational counselor that actually started at least this direction. Did you go to school? Did you just start coaching? How did you get started in coaching? So I, I went through a coaching school, but I will tell you that when I started this 10 years ago, um, coaching, there were, there were no standards for coaching. Anybody could take a weekend class. I took a very reputable class and, um, I, I, that was the very beginning of things, but now we have the national consortium for credentialing health and wellness coaches okay. and a group of professionals, um, professors from Duke and Vanderbilt and, um, Harvard got together and they said, we need a standard because coaching is something that is fantastic for helping people with behavior change, um, but there's no standard. And so now there is, and all of that changed from the beginning till now. And, and Take Courage Coaching has a credentialed health and wellness coaching school. And so- um, Oh, you do? You have your own, your, your, have your own school within your company? Yes, we do. And okay. And you're located, in, you're located in Salt Lake City? Yes, but everything is done telephonically. So our coaches are all over the country. Um, our coach, coaching school is done virtually. So um, we're in English and in Spanish. And so it's, it's, I could have never imagined all of this happening, but it's so been you exciting. coach all over the country then? Not just Salt Lake City? Yes. Oh, no. Yeah, all over the country. 46 states, I think, and okay. um, many different um Many different ways. So. How many how many years did you coach on your own? 
Um, the first year I coached on my own, I went to a company in Montana. We lived in Montana at the time. I went to Montana State Fund and I said, I have this idea. I would like to coach people that have chronic pain. Would you be willing to let me trial this with some of your clients? And they, they said yes. And um, the first year, I think I coached 18 clients. And I got to the end of that year and I said, I can keep doing this every year and make a tiny little dent or I can train others to do this and I can change the world. And so that's when I decided to, to change the world. Uh, I just need standard of care. And I can, I'm just curious over that first year, obviously, I know I had a big learning curve. What were the, some of the concepts that came out of that first year of coaching with you? What were some of the um, principles that came out of that first year of coaching one-on-one -on -one with those clients? Um, I realized that not everybody was as optimistic as I am. Um, you know, that is, that is something that I have, I have uh, just, I was born with. I'm just an optimistic kind of a person. Right. And so, learning how to work with people that are in pre-contemplation, that are depressed, that are hopeless, what kinds of things. And over the years we've learned motivational interviewing is wonderful for working with chronic pain. Um, and it is a way of having a conversation with somebody who has ambivalence and sometimes even more than just ambivalence, but downright, um, you know, they're, they're just, they don't want this. And having a conversation with somebody in such a way that we bring down that wall and we build that trust and intimacy right from the very beginning. Um, and that, that, that helps that non, um, that helps that ambivalent person find their own strength and what they want, um, making those decisions as to what they want. And they have the support of the coach to help them make, make that forward progress and um i didn't realize there were so many hopeless people in the world but it broke my heart right. when i realized i wanted to do something to change that right i mean you know my work and then i think anxiety is the pain i think the mental pain is a bigger problem i also think that yes. anxiety is physiological not psychological and when you get battered by anxiety relentlessly you do lose hope then you have an injury, so the anxiety is already there. You start plugging in body parts. And then, you know, what happens is that if the medical profession can't find something wrong, then you're not treated very well. And I'm sure you see that all the time. You deal with a lot of workers' comp issues. And workers' comp is particularly bad. Do you want to describe some of the um, problems people get into being a workers' comp person with chronic pain? Yeah, so they're angry to begin with because they were injured at work and uh, their life isn't what they, what they wanted it to be. And so there's a lot of depression and anxiety and stress and they're out of work and they aren't going to be able to go back to their same job. And so the anger is just through the roof and the anxiety is through the roof. And so as we as we talk to them about what those things are doing to them, um, a lot of times they don't even realize it. We were working with one man who had had a heart attack due to, he called it pain-related stress. 
he was so angry at his workers' comp um, provider that he had a heart attack. Right. Now, I can't prove that that's exactly how, how it happened, but that was his perspective. Well, Here you know, no, actually, from a neuroscience standpoint, he's exactly right. So what we find out that cardiac disease, probably 75% of it's stress, but it's not psychological because when you're angry, you're, these cytokines are elevated, they, they activate the immune system, and these little white blood cells literally chew up your blood vessels. And so we know we do the incident of cardiac disease with chronic anger is really, really high. So he's, he's actually correct on that. Yeah, so that's where he started. He had four little boys at home. He was trying to be a dad, but couldn't be a dad. He was too angry and um, disabled to, to function in any way on a huge amount of medication. I'm not sure how he continued to breathe. He was on that many. And um, so his coach started out with him just talking to him about the connection between the mind and the body and what happens when you have that much anger. And, he, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of times we can't see ourselves. And he didn't even realize that he was negative. Right. <laughs> I know. And, and so as he started working on those things, with his coaches, he started just being aware of all the negative, angry thoughts that were going through his mind every day. Right. He started deciding to reframe those, turn those around, um, finding different ways of coping. And I talked to him this last week and he just said, you know, working with the coach was the best thing that ever happened in my whole life. And wow. he was able to off all but one of his meds. Um, he's back to work, back to being a dad. I mean, he just went on and on about how thankful he was um, in in working with his coach and um, turning things around. So, yeah, I mean, and then the key issue here, and I always have thought this for a long time, whether it's, it's not necessarily a one, two, three in your fixed approach, it's about threat versus safety. And if you're angry and frustrated, that's an ongoing threat, which fires up your whole body. And people yeah. think, they, people think of stress in terms of a psychological issue, it's not. It's the body's total response to the environment, which includes your autonomic nervous system, endocrine system, and the whole thing. So when it stays fired up like that, people just flat out get sick. And then I agree with you, the whole process is around awareness. And that's what got me in trouble with my chronic pain. I was a perfectionist, but I wasn't angry. Well, guess what? Perfectionism is one of the ultimate anger situations. And so it wasn't until I let that go and again, not psychological, it calmed down my nervous system, calmed down my inflammatory process, and I moved on. But the thing which is exciting about stories like that, what I think is that you take this gentleman who was on a pretty bad track, and not only affects him, it affects his whole family. He said he had four children. Yeah, four little boys. So think what is so you can just you know what his life would be like if he didn't intervene with his life, and think what his life is now. In my observation is, and I'm sure is the same, when people understand this process, not only do they thrive, they thrive at a level that they never knew was possible. Right. And so I'm just guessing that might be his story. That's what he's, he told me last week. He just said, I just, I just have a really good life now. Right. And he was, you know, many people, when we start with them, they're laying in a back bedroom and they've been laying there for a long time. Right. We worked with a lady last year who started on opioids in 1976 after a work-related injury. 1976. 
that was a long time ago. <laughs> and she was able, by the end of the year, our program is a year-long program, and she was able by the end of the year to get off her opioids. Wow. And it doesn't always happen, but about 80% of the time it does. And that was her choice. Well, the data shows that about 20% of physicians are comfortable managing chronic pain and less than 1% enjoy it. And I think when you see people like that, literally not only getting better, but going to life that they never had before, it's incredibly rewarding, energizing, inspiring. And it's by far and away the most enjoyable part of my practice. And you take somebody with no hope and not only give them hope back, but actually give them a whole life back. But I also look at the kids and the children and the family that's so affected by chronic pain. So no, it's an incredibly rewarding process. Um, so 22 coaches is a lot of coaches. I'm impressed. Well, <laughs> how, did she, how did she do that? Well, just one at a time. And we, we are um, planning to have even more. We'd like to have hundreds, if not thousands. Um, there's 116 million people in the United States with pain. And I really feel like this, you know, some people figure it out on their own. Right. Um, but people need, many people need the support of somebody walking beside them and say, you know, and giving them the tools and eliciting from them what they want and, and helping them reach those goals. And I think they, they need a coach just as bad as that um, baseball player that wants to improve their game. Right. Um, because I, I, like you said, it affects the whole family. We get right. told all the time, you saved my marriage. I can be a parent now. Well, you know, we aren't doing marriage counseling. We're giving coping skills to people who didn't have coping skills for dealing with something really, really difficult. No, I agree about the coaching for sure. I mean, I've done this for a lot of years. I, I teach this, I lecture, I write about it, but I, I'm still getting coached myself on a regular basis. And there's no end point or beginning point to it. And, it, and I think coaching is incredibly humbling, but I've also found out if you get attached to your wisdom, then you can't learn anything more. So for instance, we hold sessions every Tuesdays and Thursdays from 12 to one is by the way, some nice resources for your patients mainly. So they just have to hop on the Zoom links on, it's on my website and just hop on the question and answer period with David Hanscom. And we just had one a few minutes ago. It's just fun, inspiring. And when people interact with each other in an enjoyable environment, it's just really a lot of fun. So that's a resource maybe for your group. Um, Thank you. So um, anyway, so you're planning on growing, it sounds like, a lot. We are, yes. And we have, we have some really exciting, great things coming up. We've partnered with some really large companies and um, that have a lot of injured workers. Um, we also have a contract with the VA in Oklahoma that we've had for about seven years. And, um, and we also have been included on the appropriations bill that's before the Senate, where they mention in the appropriations bill our, our work in Oklahoma and that they feel like this is something that needs to be offered um, throughout the United States. And so if that happens, we're gonna sure need more than 22 coaches, I can tell you that. <laughs> Well, fantastic. Um, any uh, final thoughts to the audience? They something you'd like to convey with what your mission is, what's going on? Yeah, well, we, we are just wanting to help one person at a time to equip and educate them in the science of 
pain and help them, help empower them. And I want to just say that for those who have pain, there's hope. Um, life can still be really super great, even with pain. And I, I want to say, you know, when you have burning nerve pain from the neck down, we know that what we focus on, we empower and enlarge. And for me, my focus is neck up. And I want to just, you know, focusing on what's right, what's good, what's healthy, what's whole. And I just want to encourage people to do that. Find what your neck up is. Find, up, find out what, um, you know, figure out what your positive, your right, your healthy, your whole is and focus on that. And um, life can be good. Fantastic. Well, thank you for being on the show. I always get rather inspired talking to you. So it was, again, that experience for me today. But thank you very, very much. That was wonderful. Thank you, Dr. Hanscom, very much. Thank you for what you're doing to turn things around in the world of chronic pain. It's, it's, it matters. We all need to speak up. Thanks. I'd like to thank our guest, Becky Curtis, for being on the show today and sharing the story of the founding and growth of her company and the principles that her coaches use to help people manage and eliminate chronic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com. Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.